welcome to the Jonazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Okay, all right. Yeah, what is strength, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, to put it incredibly simply, um, I would say it goes back to connection. Uh, from more of a, a physical practice perspective, are you connected to yourself if you're having some external load are you connected with that weight are you feeling that weight um same thing when it goes to strength in other areas of your life like are you connected uh to your experience are you connected to uh your loved ones and, and having strong relationships um yeah i'd say that's really like an overarching thing and You know, this is something that came up for me recently in terms of defining what strength is uh, for myself in more of the training context. And if we simply look at the term strength training, um, it's training that makes you stronger. (laughs) And so, (laughs) uh, like, to to put that in a box of, like, um, let's say, using a barbell or doing things that um, only apply to these, this... uh, this, uh, let's say, traditional form of strength training, um, I would say that's that's limiting your possibilities on how you can be strong. You know, I'm well aware of the 3D movements and, and loading in these different positions and, and getting stronger in these different positions. Um, you know, being able to hold ranges of motion actively while under load. All those things are feeding into essentially training that makes you stronger And I also like to look at, let's say, from the strength training component, um, like what makes me feel stronger, like right now in the moment. And so, you know, I can get into some isometric positions and hold those and start to feel into my body and feel more connection going back to that overarching theme theme of what strength is. Uh, And then when I get into something that may be more dynamic, or maybe under load, I'm feeling much stronger. And then, you know, going longer term there, let's say in the week cycle, the month cycle, the quarter, the year, whatever, then looking at that too, like, am I feeling stronger? And this is, we were talking about this earlier, the the quantitative versus qualitative uh, results. And, and ultimately, like, once you get past the numbers, those are very cool to uh, measure what your strength is and, and quantify that. But there's a, there's a quality to strength that um, you start to feel into and uh, recognize that maybe uh, a particular way of moving or a particular form of measuring your strength is actually limiting your ability to feel stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, 
yeah, just to wrap this up, you know, I was playing, um, I was playing Frisbee with some friends and we were talking about football, uh, and going into like what, how people train for football. Uh, cause we were like running routes with the Frisbee. It just kind of came up and, um, I was talking about like offensive linemen and, and how you look at all the stuff that they do for strength training. And then you look at what they're actually doing on the field and you can relate to this for sure. It, they have a chee ball, like they're legitimately mm-hmm. right here in different positions, locking somebody at the line in a lunge position, moving their feet and articulating these bo- uh, their body in these three-dimensional ways to get leverage, to be strong, also supple. And so <laughs> the phrase that I uttered it was, uh, yeah, it's all effing Tai Chi. Like, that's what it is. And so uh, I, I look at something like that as a great example of like, okay, yes, we're training traditionally for strength, but like, how does that apply to what you're doing in life and we can put it in the frame of that that offensive lineman or we can put that in any sort of frame uh when we're talking about strength in multiple facets of life wow that's a beautiful intro mr grant thomas <laughs> but that's you jumping into the gymnasium podcast uh and, and hearing this uh that may be one of the coolest ways to introduce podcasts i think so grant welcome on man uh we're definitely going to dive into frames of strength i think you phrased it really well like what frame are you looking at your strength in um and for those of you that do not know grant um i don't even know how to define you i don't think it's possible to define anybody really but uh, to put you into a small sphere so we can expand beyond that <laughs> uh, not a box but a sphere that surrounds the box uh a foot bagger a flow artist a student and master of craft uh, when it comes to all things flow and dance and rhythm uh, and really, I think it comes down to the joy um, that's experienced and expressed from the, the movements that you do and the movements that you share. Um, do you mind speaking about your current frame of strength for yourself and how you may define that or how you currently look through the lens of strength as you're practicing your movement um, personally? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for the the, the intro on, uh, you know, that the sphere of me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, I I would say, uh, you know, how I look at strength in my own practice is um, it's ever changing. Like we all all go through seasons, but um, more recently it's been um, going back to the the connection and the intent uh, with what I'm uh, or, or how I'm approaching something. Right. So I would say I'm, I gravitate towards like practices and let's say skills and expressions that um, really allow me to feel more connection to myself uh, with myself. And so uh, over the past, let's say year, it, those practices have been uh foot bag or uh hacky sack. Um, and I would say dance and then a lot of different ground-based movement, body weight movement, um, and using more of, uh, sure, a spherical approach to how I move and how I load my body, how I create uh, intention or, uh, you know, put my body into tension 
And so <clears throat> I look at it from like, okay, I want to be a really good dancer. I want to be a really good footbagger. I want to be a great, strong mover on the ground like an animal. Um, what are the practices that allow me to connect deeper with those forms of expression? Uh, how can I become stronger in my expression? And that really is what drives my, let's say, strength uh, practice or just my movement practice, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I've found that a lot of times there can be more of like this linear path that people will lay out for you in terms of movement practice and strength training. It's like you need to get strong in order to do this. And I find that if we look at something from more of a relative uh, lens um, or circular, that I can practice and I can play and both of those start to give me context uh, for, for one another, right? So if I am doing some joint mobility and really activating the nervous system uh, and creating tension in, in my hips, I can then go integrate that with playing some footbag or playing some dance. And am I feeling stronger in that practice? You know, back to what I was talking about earlier, like, does this charge me up right now? And then, okay, then I can use that as, uh, you know, some feedback of, is this something worth continuing to double down on here? And then also over time, how am I feeling in the week? How am I feeling in the month? And so forth right there. And so I find that if we just get stuck in the practice, then, you know, we may be training to get stronger, but what for? And it's lacking that context. Um, and then if we're always just playing, then I find that that can be, um, you can, it's not as sustainable because you're not using that to drive something that honors your structure and your strength as well right there. So I've, I've gone through phases of really training strength to be able to prepare to do stuff. But I find that mindset right there, do I even get to the play? Do I even get to trying something new um, if I'm just always preparing for it? You know, that obsession with safety. <laughs> um, and then from the other side of things, it's like if I am too ethereal and just whimsical and playing all the time, then I'm never coming back to my practice to really ground and, and find those landmark positions, find, uh, you know, feel and connect the dots of my body um, and, uh, you know, feel those spheres, right? Like to go back to that, it's like, I really like the idea of feeling the connection of the three Dantians of Tai Chi and how the spheres in your body are moving. And you can look at this from a spinal perspective. You can look at this from a joint perspective, all that. And it all comes back again to that word of connection. Um, that's what strength is to me. And, and that's how I continue to approach that training. And who knows, you know, it could be load my body more than one time a week, probably that once or twice a week, nothing too crazy. Um, but I am creating a lot of response from my nervous system, which ultimately is what weight is for, is to, to elicit that response in the body right there. So I would say if you're relying too much on weight, 
to create that stimulus in your nervous system to stress your nervous system in that way, then, well, I would say that makes you weak in certain senses as well, where you're not able to create that intention, create that connection on your own. You're, uh, you're relying on something external. When, when did you walk through this doorway of expression, rhythm? Was there like a, a, a turning point where you went from one mode of training to another mode or another lens or another um, purpose uh, for experience? Was there like a turning point where you said, all right, I'm going to kind of shift gears here and focus? Because, I mean, I've been following you for a little bit, and it seems like your practice has continued to be refined as one does as they practice multiple modes of training uh, with different intentions. Was there a moment in time that you kind of made that shift and was there um, others involved in that decision or was it kind of just a slow shifting and morphing into something new? Well, there, I mean, I, I think it's definitely that, like it's been a slow moving thing that has been continuously uh, unraveling beautifully. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But there are a few moments along the way that really uh, opened up my eyes. So um, I'll try to keep some of this brief because I want to get to the tail end of it because I think it's more applicable. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was I was lifting like super heavy um, back in college. Um, I hadn't really um, recovered from a few injuries from high school sports, and I weigh about one sixty one sixty five right now. And in college at age 19, I was 198 pounds. So I was, I looked the part of being super fit. Um, I was going about it from like more of a, a bodybuilding perspective and uh, you know, the, uh, the bro splits. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you just got to be really responsible and understand um, when your ego comes into play. Uh, and I wasn't really able to listen to, um, you know, pain and I wasn't able to listen to discomfort, uh, in a way that served me. So I ended up being in chronic pain at age 19 and, um, just like a lot of muscular imbalances around my spine and, and, uh, getting into my neck. And, and so that was the first time where I was like, oh, I need to do something different. And so that led to me getting into yoga that led, uh, me to, um, getting into like some, I was working with this guy who's doing like some very, you know, uh, it's like a yoga hybrid with CrossFit. And so got introduced to some more stuff in that realm, but I never really got too much into CrossFit. Um, and then when I started working a desk job, I noticed a lot of the imbalances and pain and stuff just like got even worse because I was just sitting all the time. So that's around the time when I started to like look for, different modalities. Um, and I, I say that because, um, I think sometimes we can seek out a, Oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to use this tool or this tool and think that that's going to be what changes the game. But, um, there's another level to that. Right. So I was seeking out a lot of different modalities, got into kettlebells, was doing a lot of ground-based movement and, and was like, oh, I want to get really good at this, really good at this, and just kind of trying to maintain um, my body from breaking down from sitting all day, right? Um, and so, and that worked well. Like it was, it was good. It was in my early twenties. Um, 
there was another piece in the early 20s as well of like um you know i i liked to um i liked to dance but it would only come out when i was like super drunk or uh under the influence of something else and so uh i was like there was like very diminished states of self where i was actually able to show myself and be seen in that way um and so and people were like impressed they're like what what is this like sort of deal. <laughs> right so there's always something there right it was just kind of in the background and and i wasn't really able to 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 bring it out on a consistent basis um in healthy ways uh then i became a trainer and i was like i'm gonna get in the best shape of my life um i left my desk job and just was like working in a gym and immediately put on like 10 pounds of muscle and and like was doing a bunch of functional training with, you know, kettlebells and, and maces and battle ropes and like all, all this stuff that is just, you know, essentially super trendy in a functional training gym, but without really like a centered basis of like, this is my practice or this is like how I move. And so I, I kind of lost myself to the modalities and um, the work was super tough. I wasn't prioritizing recovery. It was like college all over again, but just showing up in a different way, right? It was just like, hey, this is the same season where you lose track of self-care here. And so I ended up getting like really sick mentally. Um, I, you know, it was was really tough for me to show up for my job. I was like super stressed, a lot of anxiety and my body started to hurt in some new ways. I was having some like weird, dysfunction with organs and digestion and and like all this and so it was like really that I bring this up because that was one of the things I was like whoa you need to completely experience the other side like the extreme of relaxing and so that's what really drove me to uh, explore more with uh, Tai Chi and Qigong and uh, and get more of an energetic understanding of movement Um, and through this process, you know, I really just focused on loading my body, um, through body weight and getting an understanding of, of, um, intention and connection that way. And, um, I started to play music. I started to, you know, smoke a little cannabis and some weird spiral stuff started to come out and, and it was just kind of a a personal practice of mine to decompress and, and uh and and open up my body to to new pathways new lines and um and new patterns of movement and so i started to just play around a lot with that um and i also started to dive into like more the neurology of movement and i saw a lot of very uh procedural stuff when it came to um the the neural makeup of of how we move and whatnot but i also saw from like the energetic perspective or the energetic movement practices i'm like oh this is why this stuff works like the incorporation of the visual system the the uh the vestibular system and then the proprioceptive system i'm like i'm seeing that super old lady at the park do qigong and i'm like oh she's working on all those systems and I was like, I was sold. I was like, oh, okay. 
yeah, I know people are like really surgical with some of the neurology stuff, but I was like, this is enough for me to just really dive into this and look at this stuff from a holistic perspective. And then from there, man, I mean, it's just been finding um, the modalities that uh, allow me to feel stronger. Right. So I was chasing some stuff with the mace and it ended up giving me like a lot of like nerve pain in certain areas. And I imagine if I go back to it now, I'll have a better understanding of how to make that work for me. Um, I, I feel pretty confident that you could throw anything at me and I'm going to be able to flow with it, or I'm going to be able to get something out of it in terms of practice. But I was chasing like the super cool stuff that I saw Leo Savage doing. Right. And I was like, I need to do that. And I wasn't looking at the core of that, which was like connection to the body uh, connection to the load and so I was chasing some stuff there. And so I just needed to find that stuff for myself. Um, what, what made me feel stronger, what made me feel more connected and capable. And um, yeah, so that's what's led me to the stuff that I do now. And, and um, you know, it's always evolving. I mean, I, I, well, I'm sure we'll dive into this, but it's the, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to like the hacky stack has been like this crazy form of Qigong for me. Um, it is, you know, um, it is an actual like bag of sand or like a spear that you're playing with in these different ways. And I, when looking at things from a spherical perspective, when you start to play with spears or balls, <laughs> like in your training practice, like it's pretty wild how much of the consistent patterns or shapes that you get into when playing with that. And I find that that was just uh, an ongoing thing, an ongoing theme with the stuff that I was gravitating towards. It's a beautiful, I don't even know if it's linear, but just a beautiful wave that we we're following there of, um, your journey. So thank you for sharing that. Cause there's a lot of that I want to dive into there and, and bring some tangible pieces to maybe practices to, and um, things to, to look into more. And something you had mentioned in, in a way that I uh, perceive it is that we've got different lenses as human beings. We have the ability to shift our perspective and be in different States, come to a training session or a bout of exercise or a movement pattern uh, with a level of purpose, with, you know, what are, what are we going for today? What is the intent? And sometimes it is just to play. And other times it is to connect. Uh, I think it's always to connect. That's what the play is really doing. But um, you say connection a lot. And the lenses that I kind of see us as, as coaches, as trainers, as therapists um, that we look through, it's a variation of, of recognizing bones and joints, right? That kind of that structural piece of just the, the spacers in our body. Um, it's also the muscles that connect with the other connective tissues and the tendons and the ligaments, and how they're all interacting with the bones, and even more so, how our nervous system is helping to regulate that or understand um, those pieces. And then beyond that is you know level, layers of fascia. Think of people that uh, have divin- dove into uh, anatomy trains and and fascial fascial integration, understanding how this biggest organ of our body helps to connect our left big toe to our right earlobe, kind of a thing. Like they're all connected in some way, shape, or form through different pathways of tangible tissue and also energy something that we can't necessarily see but we see with our senses we can we can we can feel them 
Well, we mm-hmm. can recognize them in other people when we do them, when we practice them within ourselves. And so there's the, the lens of energy. There's the lens of shapes that we see um, that our body can go into. And there's the awareness points. Like you said, you mentioned the dantians and upper, the middle and the lower, for example, of it's a field of awareness and how your hips and your heart and your head um, integrating to create a motion that involves muscles, bones, nerves, fascia, involves energy, involves all these pieces. And with different um, methodologies or philosophies, it, it kind of teaches you to funnel yourself into a lens, but you can get stuck in this lens. One can get stuck focusing on just that one piece while also integrating the rest. But when seeing somebody else approach some movement pattern or practice um, from a different lens, we, we can sometimes get, um, we can butt heads because we're trying to use terms that are from that specific lens and not necessarily integrating them into this whole field, which I feel like things like Qigong and Tai Chi have, have mastered, you know, been around for thousands of years and people have been practicing it from all walks of life um, in different ways and integrating it into now fitness more so and performance and using it as restoration and how all these pieces, they really do mold together to create one big sphere. I like to think that the more lenses you can recognize you look through, the more whole your sphere becomes, your whole sphere of expression, of experience. And that's really what we're all doing here in this life is to express ourselves more fully, um, to empty ourselves of like, our biases and our beliefs in the sense that we become more whole because we're recognizing how other people's lenses help to inform ours. We're basically mirrors for each other. And we're a mirror for ourselves. And when we have a tool, how that can be a mirror in the sense that we either um, try to serve it right? Like a steel mace and it's got its landmarks and its pieces or how that tool can now serve us because we've practiced this lens of, of being or this mode of being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been practicing that a lot recently myself is like, I want to use a tool in ways that people haven't used it, but I also want to understand how people have figured out a way to pattern um, this tool into this matrix. And so how I see it is more of, I say spherical, we say spherical, how I see the sphere. And I'd love to hear your interpretation of it too, because I think um, together we can create a better view and with more people providing their input, um, a better view is that we have this, um, we have this matrix, this potential field. Like if we have these Dantians, those are all matrices within themselves, but they're Mm -hmm. part of one larger matrix, one larger grid. And when I say matrix, I'm really thinking of like, the space that encapsulates our patterns. And so this matrix is the maternal aspect, this womb of potential. And the pattern is this paternal paternal side of it, which is the pattern within the matrix. And they have to both serve each other because if you're just serving the pattern, you may not recognize the whole potential of how that can be integrated. And if you're only working in just the matrix and this etheric thing that doesn't really exist, but it's there, uh, it's tough to, or it's easy to get lost and not ever find anything that you can anchor into your being, your expression, your experience. So there's like this sphere, right? Which isn't, there's no size of it. It's, it's infinitely small. It's infinitely large. But how much space can you take up? How much space can you hold within you? Um, and then move with that uh, awareness so that there there is more potential. And you can keep feeding into whether it's range of motion, whether it's um, the amount of load you're using, whether it's the speed at which you're doing it with. Those are kind of the main ways of, of uh, challenging um, your, your uh, thresholds of performance, your capacities. You know, there's this whole other side of it, which is just uh, locating yourself. And what does that mean? Like, where, where are you right now in reference to the space that you're in, in reference to yourself? Because a lot of times, I mean, for myself, I get very heady with stuff and I could sit there and think about all these magical positions and expressions and 
uh, almost in a sense of like a you know water bending or fire bending from from uh, Avatar, and and essentially saying uh, what is my intent with these patterns, and I can at the end I feel energized, or I feel like water, or I feel expressive like fire, or I feel very grounded and rooted. Um, and we can get caught up in just being one of those, but what we've learned from um, the you know the stories is that it's a it's a goal to kind of bring in each of these elements to our practice and then keep refining them so that we can help others walk their path um, and not necessarily our own path. We're walking our own path, but we're not making others walk the same path. We're helping them find their, their truest expression or their true North, as I like to call it. What's, what is the direction at which you're traveling? And sometimes it can be very linear. We're going from A to B, but then once you get to B, do you stop or is there another route that you want to ping pong off of? And eventually, you know, you start practicing, like you said, you just did weights and the foot bag and then Qigong and how, they're all the same thing, actually. It's just where is my where's my intent today or at this moment with my movement? And a lot of times it's um, traversing multiple paths and you come out going, oh, my gosh, I feel like I connected a bunch of dots. Now, what the hell are those? Oh, I guess we'll yeah. keep learning, keep growing. Uh, how do you visualize kind of your space um, if you had to put it into context or into words so it could help somebody visualize uh, maybe what their own looks like? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so... I imagine you're talking about, yes, the physical space, but also like that sphere of expansion as an individual as well. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> well, I thought how you put it was really uh, amazing uh, in terms of the, the sphere being the womb or the maternal, the, the feminine right there. And then um, the, the patterns or the actions that you're taking within that sphere are, uh, are, more, are more that paternal or masculine. Um, just to build off of that, you mentioned like linear, uh, the linear path, right? So I'll get into the sphere in just a sec, but I find this very applicable, right? And, in, in um, somebody on the path, right? And so most people in the Western world are conditioned to think very linearly. And there's a lot of value in that, but we also recognize a lot of limitations. And I think there somebody can be like really demonize the, the linear way of thinking, right. Um, or the linear way of learning because they found something that's like relative or Eastern perspectives. Um, as coaches, as a student or somebody who just wants to continue to grow, I think it's really important to recognize the importance of that linear nature uh, with the results and there's not really a result here, but the results of you becoming more relative in how you approach things, right? So, um, you know, from more of like a spherical perspective, um, let's say movement-wise, I mentioned it earlier, but like having maps that I can visualize right there, um, that makes sense to me. Um, and they tend to make sense with nature as well. So, I'd say the two, I tried to like write down like more maps uh, that I use, but I'd say like the two that I typically visualize with uh, movement and then also like uh, even in meditation, like just simply like mapping my body or like mapping my energy are those three Dantians, right? And I call that the snowman right there. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you have your essentially the, the Dantian that sits in the pelvis right there and and you have a sphere of energy that uh, you can move there or simply cultivate. 
then you have more of that heart center and then you have like the head and uh, the neck and the throat right there forming a sphere as well. So stacking my, my energy that way is very helpful. And then connection wise um, through the, the fascial lines, um, how they weave through the body. And I think just a, just a, looking at a few images of what this stuff looks like can be incredibly powerful for how you, you cultivate that map for yourself. Um, another one movement wise, and then I'll go into the other stuff, like would be uh, the three, three, three. So like we have three dots or three spheres with our spine. So the Dantians right there. And then you have three, um, three dots on your upper limbs right here. So you've got your shoulder, you got your elbow, you got your wrist. And then same thing with your lower limbs right there. You got your hip, your knee, and then your ankle. And of course we have other joints, smaller joints within that. Uh, you also have, you know, a lot of different stuff around your rib cage as well, but that's a simple way of just like, Oh, if I understand where these nine points are right here, that's the vast majority of how I can look at movement. So let's say for more of a linear perspective right there, as opposed to spherical. So those maps right there, I find are great to cultivate that sphere and really understand what the physical body is meshing with that energetic body as well. Um, in terms of like the expansion of, of oneself, I mean, we talked a lot about Tai Chi and, and we'll continue on it. I think um, it's really valuable to, and it's not for everybody, right? But it's really valuable to push your boundaries. And one of the definitions of Tai Chi is the extremes, right? So the yin and the yang right there. So sure, we could look at that from those energetic perspectives, but you just look at anything from a binary perspective, I think that's where you can get into some trouble. But if you look at that binary perspective, creating a spectrum, then that allows you to see, oh, could I uh, go more into this part of myself and experience more of an extreme there and then vice versa. So like a common one right there is going to be like, um, let's say like exertion versus relaxation. I don't, you know, exertion is the word that came to mind for me right there. Right. But whatever, like my ability to relax on this end right here gives me context and potentially more capacity in that range to exert myself more. So a lot of times it's like, oh, let's just keep hammering. Let's build up that capacity right there. But one's ability to relax actually allows them to um, show up in a more, uh, let's say, um, exertive, assertive, aggressive, like whatever it may be. Right. So I find like these emotional spectrums are really interesting to experience as well. Um, I have this book right here uh, and it's taken me a long time to get through it, but you might be familiar with it. Uh, Letting go by David Hawkins. Yeah. So when we're talking about emotions as an individual, it kind of goes into that same spectrum right there. Like if I allow myself to feel shame and guilt and grief, like some of these lower vibrational emotions that really gives context for the other side. Now I don't want to live there. I don't want to live in grief and shame and, and, and those emotional states. 
I want to evolve out of that or I want to continue to raise my vibration, right? That's what it means right here. But it certainly gives some context right there. And I find that <clears throat> it's, again, we these emotions right there, if we just ignore them, then we're never going to experience that starting to go into that particular extreme, that expansion of the sphere there, right? Um, but if we just live there, then that's also very trapping as well. So it, it's something to just be aware of, like, feel these emotions, but know that, like, especially the stuff that's, and it also goes for the stuff higher up, but sometimes it's just like a, a bus stop. It's not like this thing that you're always going to be there, right? And so I think that's important to keep in mind when starting to dance from one extreme to the other, like we don't want to be in a pendulum there. We're simply using that as perspective and context and having more of that full experience of life. Um, you know, it, that is really, you know, how I like to live my life. Um, I find if I ever get complacent or um, just okay with, uh, or more of an apathetic state right there, um, that I'm, I'm typically not pushing myself in either direction. Like I am, I have the ability to expand is, uh, there's not energy to expand there. I need to get to a spot where it could be, I mean, we don't have to go into a ton of specifics here, but like it could be going into anger and actually getting some energy there. Anger is an energetic state. There's something to work with there. Whereas if you're apathetic, and you don't care about anything, um, then there's very little to work with in terms of expansion. So um, getting into the weeds here, I hope that. Yeah, no, I want to I want to touch on a point. <clears throat> I want to yeah. touch on a point like that. I can get lost in that um, in all the best ways. I, there's a book that I read that's called Energy of Emotions um, by Emily Marushian, and <laughs> it's kind of like this funnel. And you, you mentioned the spectrum of you know the yin and yang is a great example of just saying like, hey, people can kind of resonate with that in the sense of we don't really know what it means. There is no real definition for it, but it's simply a point of awareness and recognition of a point on a spectrum. And if we have that reference point and we're aware of it, we can, we can branch out to something else. We may not know what that is yet if it's something new, right? If we've only lived in yin and our life is very calm, relaxed, we take in a lot, um, we're just kind of at the, the mercy of our environment and our situation until something hits us into this point where I've got to make a change. I've got to step into my power. I've got to do something about this. Um, that can be really uncomfortable too, but then we have this reference point that it may elicit some discomfort, some frustration, some anger, maybe even some sadness and depression because we're facing some things and now energy is moving. Um, it's kind of this recognition of a point of stagnation. And in this book of the energy of emotions, it's kind of like just recognizes, recognize where you are and just be okay with it. Allow that mm. to be um, because our, from what I understand, our ego likes to latch on to what it knows and wants to stay in that realm because it's safe. It's something that we have always lived in, even if it's very uncomfortable. At, at a certain point, that discomfort, if we're living in it, just becomes the normal state or the, the baseline. And we may not know that there's a mountain or a, a trench or something that we can traverse through that's going to get us to a different baseline. Um, and so this, this book kind of goes into those lower frequency emotions and those higher frequency emotions. And it's saying, yeah, if you are in this black hole of depression and like you just, you're so stagnant, you literally cannot do anything at this point. And 
um, I'm, I'm thankful to the point where I have a lot of uh, a tribe around me that can help get me out of there. Um, but a lot of people don't um, or don't recognize that they do or people don't know how to step in. It's not like, hey, you're depressed. Just be happy. Look at all these beautiful things in your life. That's not going to yeah. work. We're trying to jump loops here. Like this, we can't, we can't just get there. We have to get to this potentially next state of frequency that there's not one necessarily better than the other, but there's ones that are more preferred and create or there's there's stages of creation and exploration and expression. And like, we're, we're letting go in a sense of becoming who we are um, and not latching onto who we think we are. Maybe this depression needs to turn into sadness. Maybe that sadness needs to turn into some kind of anger and frustration. And maybe that then can turn into just a place of complacency and now keep moving along the spectrum and go into a place that brings maybe some um, enthusiasm or some excitement. But if you live there, then you might get too comfortable with this and that can be overwhelming. You know, how, what are those stages that we can climb or drop down into because we refer, we have a reference point of where we are and where we were and now where we could be and we can bounce around in this. And I think what um, many self-practice books and, um, you know, meditative practices don't necessarily invite you to do is to bring your physical practice into that mental practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can, if we can start recognizing, you know, this, um, I'm not sure who came up with the, the um, acronym RAIN, um, but you recognize, you allow, you investigate, and then you basically just not identify with it. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can go through these stages of just recognition, I am feeling this. I don't want to become so attached to try to figure it out. I can then just allow it to be. And if we can sink our awareness into that state of being and allowing, uh, now we, we're allowed to investigate. Now we recognize where it is, how it is. Um, ooh, okay, it's in my, it's my left shoulder. Man, what is that? I can, I can start to investigate, man, what's, what's going on with your shoulder? And kind of talk to that space that then will allow me to dis, you know, not identify with whatever that sensation is because that sensation is really just this energy flowing through us. And I like to think of like emotion as energy in motion. And when we're not in movement, that energy can become stagnant and we can get stuck in, a, in a, an emotional state that then turns into, um, this comes from Dr. Joe, it turns into kind of an attitude and then a personal, kind of like an identity to that emotion. And then that's, that's our personal reality. But mm-hmm. if we can jump around and say, wow, I'm in this reality of a lot of anger here, or frustration here, which I've been in and I, I, have a, I, have a, I really enjoy my life. But there's moments where I just get frustrated and angry and I'm like, I want to act on it. And I've sometimes held back and it makes me feel a different kind of discomfort. Sometimes I act on it and I'm like, man, why did I do that shit? You know, the energy just overtook. But that, that practice of playing with the recognition and allowance then gives us that, that um, permission, if you will, to then kind of shift where we can go. And I love what you said that you can dance um, or it is a dance. Um, and if you actually dance and create some kind of rhythm or recognize a rhythm, how freeing that can be for that emotion that may have become stagnant or that sensation that was so stagnant that was part of us. Now it changed. Maybe it moved to a different part of our body. Maybe it put us into a different mental state. Maybe it brought up some old memories. Maybe it brought up a state of looking into the future and like, wow, there's actually some potential here that I can, I can walk into. Um, I just think it's beautiful. There's 333 that you brought up and then kind of a, a linear point model just of your body in this physical space and then how you can use those to then become aware of how you're actually shifting your energy. And that's easier said than done. You definitely have to put it into practice. And like you have, like I have, like a lot of us have. Um, but to, to, without a model, without a, a matrix of which to refer back to or a map, as you said it, how can we 
know where we are on the map? How can we navigate our space? We have to become our own cartographer of awareness and be able to shift in and out of our body. Um, and I think that, you know, we're trying to put it into words, but really it's, it's such a feeling. It's, we say this term, I feel it, know it. And mm-hmm. when you feel it, you know it. <laughs> as simple yeah. as that. Now it's a matter of either you got to do it yourself and just trust the process. Again, easier said than done. Or have a practitioner, a master of their craft, sharing their insights, sharing the gold nuggets that you might find um, help you navigate your own space. If we're all starting navigating our own space, how much more beautiful <laughs> it can be when we're all moving <laughs> yeah. and dancing together. You look at uh, like a silent disco. People got the headphones in and they're listening yeah. to music and they're all dancing. But on the outside, it's like, wow, people are just, just bouncing. There's grooving. There's movement. There's rhythm. These things are bouncing off of each other. And when you're in that state, um, and you're the one actually dancing, how freeing again that can be when others are also entering that state of um, expression and freedom. Um, and it gives us a reference point because now we're mirroring that energy. We're mirroring this, this transformation, this change, which is really what it is. It's not about being one thing. It's about being the ability to ebb and flow between uh, these states, these lenses, these things. Yeah, man. I mean, really well said. And the thing that really stands out to me about that uh, in terms of, um, well, you mentioned something. Um, I think it was like uh, something about Joe Dispenza and identity, right? And, you know, the vast majority of people, like if you boil down their reality, it comes down to like three to five stories, right? And ultimately we want those stories to serve us and, and, um, Usually they're not. <laughs> so like actually being able to shift that story, uh, it can be really tough, but I think it starts with permission, right? Permission to, let's say, move in a new way, uh, look at the body, um, feel the body in a, a different map um, and, and gain an understanding of, let's say, we talk, we're talking about physical practice here, but really it's like a great way to map your energy. And you mentioned feel it and know it. It's like, okay, I can do that with my physical practice, we can also do it with all the emotions that we're talking about right there. Where it's like, wow, I know when I'm experiencing this emotion right here. And if I'm able to identify that and recognize that I'm in a story or I'm in this emotional loop right here, I can do something or I can simply sit with it, right? Doing something can literally be in action as well and simply sit with it and know that, Hey, this is going to pass. Right. Or, or really be able to, um, in the rain model, right? Um, not identify with it, right? And so I love everything you brought up there because it really applies to the physical practice. But when we're going into those emotional states, um, it can really apply too. And that's where I find the movement practice and forms of expression, and especially with dance, I find that um, it's an amazing way to work through some of those emotions. Um, like, so there's a couple practices that, um, I really enjoy, um, and these go into like more of a martial context or again, a Tai Chi context, but the idea of uh, shadow dancing. Um, so dancing with your shadow and like seeing, feeling that part of yourself and, you know, sure. Like have some fun with it. You could throw some strikes. Maybe you need to beat up your shadow. Right. But maybe it's more about like seeing it and feeling it and understanding it, dancing with it and really gaining something from that experience right there and what emotions are coming up during that what are you feeling and getting to know that sure these 
this, these are emotions, but like you said, this is energetic energy emotion and you feel this in your body. And so um, that's a way to move that energy and break up that stagnation. If you're experiencing stagnation, the other one is like just simply dancing um, the emotion, right? Um, turning on some music that like applies to how you're feeling and dancing with that. I remember like, this is something that happened a ton. Um, I would just put on different forms of music and just allow the song to guide me into those emotional states. Right. And I brought this up on several podcasts, but I'll bring it up again because it's, it's a cool exercise. Um, but put on something that you don't think you could really dance to. Um, uh, there's a song called Ivy and it's a live recording by Ahmad Jamal, who is like this amazing jazz pianist. And, um, I remember putting it on. It's like a very tiptoey song. Like it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's very playful and, and, and all this. And I, I remember just being in my room and like, just kind of like bouncing around and had a huge smile on my face and, and getting, getting to know what that song feels like, getting to know the emotions that were coming up for me. And I, I felt like a kid with that song right there. And I wasn't doing anything drastic with my movement. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about different ways to stir up energy, it's like, sure, we can, we can journal and, and, and dive into our stories and our beliefs right there. That's going to stir up some energy. Great. Let's take that a step further. Let's feel that in the body, breathe into it. Where am I feeling that? And then, oh, let, let me take it a step further. Let me actually move to this and sprinkle some more stuff on top of that with some music. And now that's an interesting stack right there for you to work through some stuff. And so um, I, I find that those practices that, again, allow me to connect with myself, going back to that overarching theme there, that's what makes me stronger as a human because I'm not just connecting with my body. I'm connecting with these different emotional states, how I'm handling stress. You know, uh, one of my buddies who's a, a great FRC practitioner, he's like, dude, this stuff helps me so much in terms of resilience and handling stress in my life. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense because this stuff fucking sucks. It's really hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's really tough. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at stuff like that. And it, it, again, if you can look at this from, a multi-dimensional perspective um like that's how we're building strength in a lot of these different ways and and um yeah i mean i can't tell you how how much i've learned about myself as an individual by looking at movement through that different frame through that different lens because um well when I'm playing with the hacky sack, like there's times I want to go throw it over a fence because I'm like, why are you rolling off my foot that way? Right. Like what <laughs> right. the hell? Right. I'll be yelling at it and all this, but like it's right there on the ground for me to pick it up and continue to go and, and dive into that conversation with the hacky sack conversation with myself and, and gravity and everything like that. So it's, I think back to there was an interesting moment when I was hanging out with you and, and slow and you were talking about how you were leaning on the couch and how like it distributed the weight onto the legs. And I was just like, yeah, this is it right here. Like when you start to look at movement through a different lens, you start to see life through a different lens and you start to look at it, um, things with maybe just a one degree shift in perspective 
and that can mean the world in terms of making changes in all these different areas of your life. So like I said, I mean, there are some linear aspects to this path, but once you get there, it kind of explodes open and you're like, whoa, okay, how do I make sense of these dots? <laughs> right. And that's, that's an ongoing thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. I think we could put this into a, um, into a term that you share a lot, which is uh, kinesthetic intelligence. It's essentially just an awareness of your position um, and movement of parts of your body in space. Um, we talk about it as proprioception. We talk about it as um, simply just an act of doing and experiencing and then being able to reflect on it. I think that's another layer deeper than the, the kinesthetic intelligence that just kind of comes with the practice. No matter what you do, whatever methodology, philosophy, tool you use, um, body movement patterns that you use, it's going to give you data points. And um, Benjamin, um, gosh, what's his last name? He's the equilibrium on, uh, on Instagram. But uh, uh, he, Aguilar? Yeah, Ben Aguilar. I mean, that guy, when you talk about the, the level of awareness that can come with energy movement and expression and just doing something like he kind of clowns around on all these different ways of do it, you know, people doing stuff and stuck in their way, but really has a lot of beautiful points of just whatever you do, just keep doing it and expand on it. And whatever that means to you, don't get so caught up in just this one way because that's only going to give you certain motion data. If you can move this tool or your body as a tool in different ways, um, you can, you can collect so much data that then over the course of a week, six weeks a month, you know, you keep going longer and longer. If you can refer back to a point when you started doing something or um, you just allowed yourself to be in a certain state and move through that, how easy it can become to enter that state and use that data to then carry over to anything else that you do. And I really think that's the, that's the ultimate state is to be able to use your framework, use your maps, use your kinesthetic intelligence, and then have some brand new, um, challenge or movement or pattern or something to, something to consider. And then you can integrate that into what you know and continue to expand upon that until, I mean, who knows what the end result is. It's just a overall better expression of yourself, more connection with yourself. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think, I think it's like unraveling the, the deeper layers of your experience as well. Right. Like that's just the, it's not a result, like, but you start to open that up and then it, it just continues to go. And, um, you know, I mean, that, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. You, you, brought, you, brought, <laughs> you, brought, you brought something up, um, something that you're working on currently, which I really want to learn more about. Yeah. Um, because of all the footbacking you've done, it's allowed you to collect enough mo movement data and um, experience to then be able to reform it in a way that is a maybe a teachable model or a way to have others just pick up this awareness and this feeling it knowing it kind of concept um similar to a recorder in a music class you know uh -huh. a, a kid plays an instrument they learn how to like oh there's different notes there's different sounds you can make and it it sounds like me trying to play the native flute right now of just yeah making sounds and all of a sudden things connect and you're like hey that sounded pretty what? good what did i just <laughs> what did i just do um, do you mind sharing a little bit about that journey and, and what you potentially see um, helping kids develop this insight that can carry on throughout their entire life? That's something that really doesn't exist right now. I think the only thing that's really in physical activity in kids is either playing an organized sport or you're doing a PE class at school, which has its own linear kind of model of, of, of learning. 
and play as well. Um, how do you see this, this footbag being integrated into a uh, kid's class, into some kind of uh, learning to develop for, for the future? Yeah, well, I, I think the great, a great place to start with this is everything we've talked about so far. Like so many of us have been conditioned throughout our lives um, to, to think, move, be a certain way. Um, and <clears throat> when you start to expand the vocabulary or expand the experience, you recognize that there's a lot more available there. And so how cool would it be to um, have a, a generation that's coming up that is incredibly um, intelligent, let's say kinesthetically, but that also opens up the realms for them to uh, handle the same sort of stress, handle the same sort of questions that come up with emotions and actually be able to move through that energy as opposed to getting stuck in a loop of suppression or repression. And so um, <clears throat> the toolbox that one gets from, let's say, diving down that path uh, is, very, is very broad and very applicable in life. And so um, what I noticed was uh, with specifically with the foot bag is um, <clears throat> it really humbled me, um, which I think can be tough for people to get started with it. Um, but I saw a lot of um, a lot of, let's say the, the structural movement or the structural positions um, that I practiced a lot of and, and and really put me into like a, a box, right? Not so much of a sphere, right? Um, and I found a lot of value in that. But when I started to use something like the foot bag, I recognized uh, an expansion was needed, right? Um, a, uh, I needed a, a, a different, not a different, but just more of an expansion of that kinesthetic intelligence. Um, and they were real world positions. Um, it was not just like, hey, can we fit this position into the real world, right? And it's like, oh, I'm actually moving in these different ways that are going to show up in life. And I am responding to myself and gravity. And, but I'm also reliant and responding on, on the foot bag right there. So it, it taught me a lot about... Um, what we talked about earlier, where it's like, okay, how to expand that practice, having something that gives you that context. It's also incredibly fun and energizing. Um, I found um, once I started to string together like 10, 20 hits, um, it really turned into a practice that was like energizing. I'd be dripping sweat, but I would continue to have more of that connection and awareness through my body. Um, it, it also increased my attention span. So when we're talking about our resources here, the most valuable resources for humans, um, not like natural resources, but just here, we are talking time, energy, and attention right there. And so in a world that says, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough energy, I don't have enough attention for this, right? What are those remedies, right? Um, well, for me, it was something that, like, I have something in my pocket uh, that um, doesn't take much time. It's not my phone, right? Um, <laughs> it doesn't take much time to, to just get out and play with it. It provides me with energy, and um, it allows me to really focus on that. And so when I look at us as adults, we all suffer from this, like, go, go, go. 
I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy and my attention spans getting shorter and shorter by the day. And so I see the same thing happening with kids coming up and do they have those alternatives to um, direct their attention to, to invest their time into, uh, to cultivate their energy with. And so um, I really had this vision of, Oh, I played the recorder in elementary school and everybody had one. Wouldn't that be amazing if everybody had a foot bag and there's a model or a foundation that allows them to practice those positions, practice those ranges of motion, practice the bounce, the rhythm, everything like that, and then apply it to something like the foot bag, apply it to something like the rope, apply it to something like hula hoop, like whatever it may be, start to branch out and have these different forms of expression that aren't, let's say, the prototypical team sport, right? Um, where somebody's picked last and have a, they develop a story at that age. There's, there's, there will be that, but is there an alternative for people to develop this expression? And the one thing that's really cool about footbag is it's a great thing on your own once you get tuned into it. It's an amazing thing for all levels, even if you're just starting out in a group. It's like, it's, I, I notice it's like, it's like um, high stakes, but it's also like incredibly low stakes too, right? So like in terms of like nervous system resiliency and whatever, like you're going to notice that kick is like way bigger than it needs to be, right? And you can do that with yourself. You can do that with a group and have a ton of laughs, great conversations, and uh yeah and i didn't even mention dance in that as well with the skills it's like uh we have a foundational practice and i see that as being uh what smooth moves develops into uh first working with adults and then trickling down to younger generations uh but then having these these the foundation apply to these core forms of expression um and a lot of times again it's like okay, if I can show somebody the structure, the foundation here, they know it's not, oh, I'm just a footbagger or I'm just a dancer or whatever. I'm a mover here and this is some of the stuff that I can do with that. And I have um, a good foundation of the language that I can apply to something new when it comes about, right? When when you get some new toy, um, you know, that your friend sends you, it's like, I can, I can play around with this and have an understanding for it. So... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that's that's really, you know, what I see for, you know, the, the physical education revolution, um, you know, the kinesthetic intelligence for, for kids. Like, we're drifting to a, a spot, you know, in, in history where there's going to be either um, a detachment from the, the physical realm or the physical embodiment of a human um, or the other direction, which, uh, with, which I know – you and I find valuable. I know a lot of the listeners find valuable in, uh, in their lives. And that is that physical practice, that uh, capability, that capacity to do things physically and actually like play in this reality. And um, well, we got, we got to create some alternatives there. We got to create some, um, some new paths for both adults and, uh, and children to, to walk down. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just, hey, I know that this path is valuable. And um, 
I imagine there's going to be some, some people that would much rather go down this path. So let's create a, uh, an opportunity there. And I, I see that with what you guys are doing at Gymnazo. It's, it's, uh, incredible uh framework and lens to approach movement in, in in terms of developing that that intelligence i appreciate you sharing that that's yeah, um the, the the blessing we have here is that we've got a whole spectrum of ages and lifestyles um ranging from eight years yeah. old to 88 years old you know 90s um and, and finding a a universal language that allows each of these individuals to keep expanding their physical practice which in tune is going to influence your mental um, ability and your spiritual uh, connection. And everybody's got some form of that in some, some way, um, but how we intentionally do it may not really exist. It just kind of happens here, there, kind of spotty, and we never really connect to that deeper level within ourselves and within our community. And um, we do get to, to see that, how adults doing something trickles down to their kids or to the younger population, you know, somebody in their – 60s and 70s working out of a dysfunction or a pain that they've had chronically, or maybe it's just to develop more movement awareness um, for sake of not falling. Um, there's different fears that are involved in different age range. And to be able to be in a class or see somebody who's also working on something similar in terms of a universal pattern or, or movement or uh, a matrix way of movement, you can kind of see and compare in a sense where okay, I'm moving like this. Wow, they move fluidly here. I don't move fluidly here. We kind of feed each other with our mirror neurons, especially as children, seeing the adults do something. It's much less of, I know how we, I think we've, we've lent ourselves to do this. It's just we tell kids to do this thing. It's good for them. But really the kids kind of know, and when they see something that's pretty cool or fun, they want to get involved. They want to ask questions. And so it's finding this, this give and take in a sense of um, how can we be present with our movement in the sense that or our practice where others see it and not necessarily, Hey, there's a performance. Look at what I'm doing. Although that can be a great part of it. Seeing somebody go perform on a stage and going, I want to do that. But more so just in daily life, spending five minutes or 10 minutes in your morning or your afternoon or your evening, or just after dinner, you know, making kind of this, uh, making time that exists there. Um, doesn't have to be an hour straight. It could just be mm-hmm. just enough time to get a quick stretch in or a mobility sequence or, uh, kick around the foot bag with your family a little bit. It's fun. Um, how easy it is for kids to follow that model when it's already put in place rather than trying to start at the kids and be like, we don't really know the purpose of this. We're telling you to do it. I mean, as a kid, kind of you, you want to be in rebellion and just not do something because you're told yeah. to do it. So even if it's fantastic and beautiful for you, it's like, I don't want to do that. We've got to, we've got to get past that firewall and we do that by making it less um, uh, verbally obvious, but physically obvious. We just see it in the world and that's what we do. And as we've, we can fall into that practice as kids and as teenagers, as an adults, how that then in like one generation, we can start shifting this um, lack of connection to a deeper connection and a deeper opportunity to talk about our experiences. And, you know, there's, there's all this talk right now, too, especially as we become this very emotional um, state as a, as a, as a um, being human. Um, learning ways to express this in not necessarily safe ways, but in very beneficial ways and efficient ways and effective ways um, where we can actually talk about our stuff, especially as guys. You know, it's one of the things that when we're doing flow stuff or um, something that looks a little bit silly or dancing, um, there's, I think guys have a firewall up to like, I don't want to look ridiculous doing this. That's not what I do. I need to go lift weights. That's just an easy way of saying it versus like you feel it and you're like, man, I can go lift weights better now. I feel good mm-hmm. when I go lift. I'm dancing in between sets, you know, like there's a cool song on. Ooh, I felt that screw. I just picked this weight up and whipped it. Well, that felt cool. 
you know, we can, we can get um, more freeing. We can find ourselves more free in this state the more we can express it with each other and with the community of it. So I think it's brilliant to think about having it trickle down um, to the youth and it, it will happen by osmosis rather than by force. Um, just start absorbing it. Yeah, and I, I, that's, that's the permission piece, right? And it's, it's being the example to give people permission to do it, right? And I had this experience a couple of weeks ago. I went to, um, it's like a one-day house music show. Um, and I've been exploring uh, house dance for about the last year. And that's a, that's a very, you know, a lifelong practice and continuing to feel into that. And I, I love it. It's really cool. Um, <clears throat> but I, I was, I was dancing and, and doing some stuff that I've been working on and it was clicking. It was, you know, it was a lot more of a flow rather than, uh, you know, I'm going to do this step and then I'm going to go into this step and all this. And so I was feeling it. And there was this little girl that like came over uh, and was like, just watching me. And I was like, okay. And like, I'm gonna keep going, whatever. And she must've been like two, two and a half, something like that. And I was like, okay. And I started to try to dance with her, just kind of like jump up, whatever. And she like, just looked at me and it was kind of like, keep dancing monkey. Like, like, it's like, I want to see what you're doing. Right. It wasn't like, I don't want to dance with you. I want to see what you're doing here. Uh And so I could see the wheels turning right there. Saw the same thing with uh, my friend Mallory, who's really great with the hula hoop. And we were at this, um, just this little rock show in uh, Gig Harbor, Washington. And she started playing with the hula hoop and all these little girls were just like, (laughs) oh my God, what is this? Like, and just really, um, you know, in awe of it. And, and, And just knowing like, oh, that's an option. Like this is an option, right? And and um, you know, it's it's not. I think again, we can get into the weeds of what's better, you know, what's optimal. Um, but when we get into that realm of what's optimal or like trying to optimize everything, um, you know, it's it puts us in this realm of like, oh, if I'm not optimal, like let's say I'm suboptimal, doesn't matter if I'm like. I'm, I got the spectrum here, right? Does it matter if I'm right below optimal or I'm at the very bottom here? I view myself as the same. I'm not optimal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not in, in the best position or I'm not doing this perfectly or whatever. And so I think um, that is something that can really um, deteriorate somebody's um, exploration um, of what they're doing with their practice, with their life, whatever is is chasing that that optimal way of doing things and really just feeling into like what do I want to do? What works well for me? Uh, what makes me feel good? What makes me feel strong? Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm uh, I know it's a it's a long journey and road, and, there, and I'm excited because it's going to bring a lot of cool people together and a lot of great minds and bodies together. To, to make this happen. Uh, I know there's so many other people that see the same thing. Um, and so I'm really excited just to um, be dedicated to, to that, you know, providing another route uh, to um, intelligence, to, to uh, a, a thicker, uh, more beautiful experience of life. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I 
it's it's just been such a blessing to be able to um, explore movement and have that trickle down into all these different areas of my life. So I just want to share that with other people and and uh, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, before we close here, I want to share something too about um, something that we can do. It's easy if, if we are in this realm and maybe we're not a coach, we're just a practitioner. We're just, we're just practicing um, our practice. And we tend to do that. I think at least where I was um, in a quiet space, nobody can see me. I want to explore. And I think that's, it's a beautiful way to go because you can learn a lot about yourself just being in the, in your own space and nobody, nobody's going to judge you. You're only got yourself to judge you about these things. And you can bring up a lot of these pieces. Um, uh, something I've challenged our, our, our members here at Gymnazo and those who are practicing like rope flow and steel mace flow, kettlebell juggling stuff. That's it's with load. It's got some purpose to it. There's, there's intent to it. And there's, there's patterns and pathways that when somebody watches it, it can look absolutely beautiful because it's, it's integrating all of these lenses and it's, you're now expressing it. You're now flowing it through you into the external environment. And so what we challenge um, ourselves to do is go out into public and don't necessarily need to make it a whole show. Just go out to a park, go out to a beach, go out to um, go to your gym. If you got an open space and just go pick up some equipment, if you have the ability to, and they allow it. Um, but we go out to this place called shell beach and we'll bring out a mace, a kettlebell, a rope. Uh, I got the sun wheel that I've been playing with a lot too, yeah, which is this, this, this circle. And, oh, it's, it's, it looks like you're at, you know, uh, um, we're at Coachella or something out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, hey, it's freedom of expression and there's music and there's dance and there's, there's life happening. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to us going like, what, what are you doing? Um, or just watching <laughs> from a distance and like people will be walking by and then they'll stop. And it's like they're not sure if they're supposed to be watching, but it's like, wait, they're out in public. You know, there's kind of this weird dialogue yeah. that happens internally, but then you just, you go. And I like to throw headphones in and just go and I'll recognize stuff. But um, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing intentionally is like, I just want this energy to be present so that you can gravitate towards it if you like and ask questions and I'm going to be open to it. And I'm, I'm going to invite you to, to hold it, to, to, you know, swing around the rope a little bit and, uh, maybe teach them a, a a thing or two if they want, or just have them watch from the side. And it's like giving them permission to to experience this 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 state. Um, and it's again, kids are out there doing gymnastics and stuff. We're doing rope flow, and all of a sudden these kids start like they're just like in awe, and then they wanted to go do a cartwheel or something. And it's just, it's it's feeding the environment, and it's creating <laughs> this space that um, uh, I was reading a lot about, like morphic fields, and essentially mm-hmm. how. Um, for example, like a rocking chair that your grandmother's mother used to rock your grandma, you know, and it's been in the family for generations and how this chair carries with it so much energy from the past that has this loving, caring, it's kind of like holding space. And uh, we all do that with parts of our house, certain chairs, certain ways we sit, certain ways we drive and places we stop. It's like we can bring our physical practice into a space and just fill that space with light and love. And it sounds all like hippy dippy, but it's also, it's, it's true. People light up, there's joy, there's smiles, there's laughter, there's conversations that are stemmed from something that you may or may not be doing. Um, but it's generating this, this uh, energy from within you that is now in the environment. And like you had talked about, um, we're sitting in the, in the dojo at my house and you're just laying on the couch and leaned over and I was bringing awareness to just different points of contact. It's like, we're always rooting to the earth. And this is going to seem more esoteric, but you're just rooting to the earth. And the stronger your roots are, um, the more connected you are to the ground, the more beautiful everything else above and the more freedom everything else above has. 
without the roots, how you might feel disconnected and not, um, not in the moment, not present. It's like steering away from this, okay, you need to have all these prerequisites of safety and know all these motion patterns before you go and express them. What if we don't start with that safety component? We just start with recognizing how rooted we are today. Not an optimal root or non-optimal root. It's just, this is how I'm rooted. Man, I feel kind of ungrounded. Maybe today my practice is just working on some deep squats and ground game until I feel grounded and now I can ex- go further. Um, and how I like to like, think about it is that root and then into this light flow with your roots, like a tree dancing in the wind. Mm-hmm. And then this expression element where it might be a little bit more stormy. There's a little bit more um, variety of things that can come in. You've got hand expressions. You've got a leg kicking up. You're swinging your head different ways or you've got ways to express it. And in that, now you can experience your breath and this peace, this overall calm and stillness that you're now creating movement from within it. You're rooted, you're able to flow with it, you're able to express it, and now you're able to recognize it from kind of this just third-person view, maybe top-down, maybe from the side, but you're seeing yourself from multiple perspectives, and um, the people that surround you are those mirrors and those Mm -hmm. expressions. And um, the more we are connected to that as individuals, the more we can connect to that as a community. And that's where not only do our kids thrive, and our, our, our own family, our own unit thrive. It's like the environment starts to thrive. There's different things that we can pay attention to. And I think that's been elicited from different states of states of mind and different um, uh, consumption of different you know, plant and animal mes- medicines and stuff to open up the, the doors. And then it comes to the physical integration of what you experience there. Take it into that sober state or where you're not under anything and now bring that somewhere. And share that somewhere, not with any real goal um, or purpose in mind, besides the fact of connection. And if we can mm-hmm. come back to that connection, um, what's better than feeling connected? It kind of feels off to be disconnected, but sometimes that's you got to get disconnected to feel reconnected because then you recognize the spectrum of I was over here and now I'm sitting right here. Yeah, oh, I can breathe into this. I can actually take it in, um, and instead of letting stuff go, now we're able to connect with you know what what we really are. Um, an expressive, expressive meat sack. <laughs> yeah. No, well said, man. And I really like the distinction of um, <clears throat> the feeling of being grounded. And I think, you know, ultimately when, when people are talking about like, oh, safety and security, um, what does that actually give us? Um, and it is that feeling of, of, of being grounded. Um, and so if we just get trapped on something like safety, um, even though I think it's good to cultivate that feeling of safety, it's, it's ultimately, yeah, am I here grounded present? Like my feet, my two feet right here are on the ground and I'm right here. And that's okay. If, even if you're not feeling the most grounded, like you can still be connected or in touch with, like you said, I'm not quite there. Or like, let me just take that time to be present uh, with myself right here and, and really cultivate that sphere of energy, um, you know, open up the, uh, the energy for other people to feel. And, and, um, yeah, man, just really well said on, on all those fronts, like I'm, I'm blown away. <laughs> Do you mind, uh, you mind sharing a little bit, you mentioned earlier, uh, smooth moves. Uh, I want to bring this up yeah. because it's a cool way for people to start integrating what we're talking about, um, into your own practice and, um, I see that you've got an Instagram for it, and uh, it sounds like you're doing some bigger things with that project. You mind kind of breaking down what Smooth Move is from Grant Thomas? Yeah, man, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> I had a 
a friend um, call me the, the smooth raccoon. Um, he just, I had this raccoon medallion and, and uh, he's like, oh, you know, you're just a really smooth mover, right? And so this uh, term smooth just like kept ringing in my head. And, and uh, so that's really like the origins of, of that is, you know, um, just doing my thing. And then people come to me and being like, hey, man, you're a really smooth mover. I think there's, you know, I really appreciate that. And like what it's led me to is, okay, what what's the process to, to take people to that stage? And so, um, so with smooth moves, like I really like to focus on, let's say the qualities of movement, but going like incredibly simple with it, right? So like boiling things down to, the simplest form. So there's really three qualities right there of smooth moves. And you're going to find this in any sort of sequence, flow, follow along that I run somebody through. And that is simple, strong, and smooth. Um, you can, we can even look at this as like the simple of like building the map and understanding that piece of it, right? Uh, strong, connecting those dots, holding positions, understanding, getting grounded in your body, and then smooth starting to move through transitions and different movements and then flows right there. And so um, smooth moves is uh, a movement platform that's designed to help you build strength and skill with nothing but your body. And then of course, apply that to other forms or other modalities uh, like the footbed, like dance, like rope flow, uh, whatever, whatever people want to apply this to, that's how we're going to follow that thread there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to really share what has come up in my practice and what I found the most valuable, the most accessible in terms of your resources, your time, your energy and attention. Um, and, you know, so that really is the biggest piece right there. I find a lot of people, um, you mentioned it earlier too, you going into a new season of your life. Like, it's like, I, you know, what is, what does my time look like? What does my energy look like? What does my attention look like? And so one, it's something that doesn't take a lot of time, doesn't take a lot of energy and doesn't take a lot of attention. That's up front, but on the back end, you're probably going to cultivate more time or want to spend more time with it. And then also get more time on the back end of your life. And then you're probably going to cultivate more energy and then cultivate that, um, that ability to hold your attention. And so, yeah, um, it's essentially a movement membership that I run people through um, and it's follow alongs and instructionals. Um, people kept, I, I kept putting stuff out there in terms of uh, movement resources and people were like, this is what I want. I want follow alongs. I want to be able to do this in 15 to 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, let me figure out what that looks like. And so it's been a, a long time coming and just, organizing everything into uh, a system and a structure that makes sense and allows somebody to pop into it linearly and then ultimately start looking at things relationally and like, okay, how does this apply to uh, my running? How does this apply to footbag? How does this apply to lifting weights? Um, and essentially giving them the tools to build that strength for themselves in different areas of their life. And so I'm rolling that out um, right now in like a, more of an alpha state. And then, um, you know, the beta is going to be opening up at the end of this month. And uh, yeah, you know, it's um, just daily movement, 
consistency. Um, I think, you know, the other thing to touch on here, what we talked a lot about is that process that um, one goes through in like a movement sequence, right? So I look, I like to look at things from that energetic perspective. So it's like that first stage right there is energizing right there, right? And, and really like feeling the energy, right? Let's say I'm feeling dull, like, great. I can really cultivate energy with some breath and some more energetic movement. I can also cultivate or, or channel that energy through some slower movement if I'm feeling like really energized or like scattered, right? So whatever's going to help me get into that mode that I want to be in right there, taking that into that connection piece, into that strength piece, working on some simple positions, some simple movements that are going to really dial up that strength. And then that last piece is going to be more of that play and exploration. Um, I always like to reference this of like just doing a bunch of push-ups and then going into some like really flowy Qigong stuff that I used to do that was like really relaxed. And it was like, Oh, this is, this is strength right here. Like mm-hmm. I'm deep in my lines and in my joints right now. And I'm moving through this and somebody might look at this and say, this looks very, you know, just flimsy and unstable and all that, but I'm feeling that strength. And so um yeah man that's uh that's smooth moves and you know we'll start we'll start with the adults and then uh <laughs> more to come as uh things progress right on that you're a beautiful bridge um uh, for this i think i think a lot of us are beautiful bridges we're all bridges if you choose to be um getting somebody from one side of the bridge to seeing that there's another side but sometimes you don't know what's on the other side until you start crossing the bridge and you're like holy shit this is a long bridge but man look look at where i'm at right now we have two sides of the spectrum to look at from the center of the bridge. Uh, what's the what's the Instagram or what's what's the best way to find smooth moves? What's that what's that spelled like? Sounds like smooth, but it's uh, it's not smooth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, two Instagrams here. There's uh, my name, which is Grant S. Thomas, um, all one word. You'll know you're in the right spot. Uh, and then <laughs> there's uh, smooth moves. So that's S M O O V. And then M O V E S, and you can also find that on YouTube. Um, there's some follow-alongs on there, some hacky sack tutorials, um, some rope flow tutorials. Although you got a really great bridge right here for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so you know anything that comes in the realm of more foundational strength movements, you're going to find it up there, along with different forms of expression that uh, you know people have just been like, hey, I want a tutorial for this, so that's where I throw it up there. And uh, best place to find me are the spots. Well, man, I really do appreciate that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people looking to start this journey, recognize that you're already on it if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And the more maps you have, um, I like to think the more maps you have and the way you're able to integrate it, um, the bigger your own map becomes um, and the more organized that map becomes. I've, I've certainly been stuck in the realm of like one map and then I get, I just completely tear up that map and I try to recreate a new one. And in the process of tearing apart maps, meaning I just stop uh, being intentionally integrating those paths, I start to remember how, or I start to realize how each of those maps are the same map, just continuing to be refined, different lenses, uh, like we've said. And I think this, it's really about creating your own map so that you have a place of reference to navigate, navigate your space and recognize that everybody else has their own maps as well. And sometimes we get caught in trying to get people to go the, with the same map. And um, the maps are always designed to just get us back on our path and, and find what that 
uh, true north or that direction that we're going really looks like um, and become connected to that path. Though it may not be one straight line, it's usually a bunch of squiggles and curves and circles and spirals and then there's no map and then there is something there. Um, <laughs> it's all part of the process. And you know that you've always got a community here. We've actually got um, a Discord channel um, that's free called the Movement Collective and it's a place of um, different-minded individuals but all along a similar path which is to help their communities and, and help ourselves while helping the communities too. Um, we can't help ourselves. We can't really help other people. So um, in this channel, you can check it out through our, um, hit me up through Instagram at movement exploration channel um, or gymnazo and gymnazo underscore edu. Um, we'll invite you onto that server. And uh, it's a place where we talk about case studies. We talk about explorations. We share videos. We share the podcasts and um, have a chat in real time um, from people all over the world. And that's continuing to grow. We started that uh, last year, and it's been a cool place to connect. And again, that service is free. And then on the other side of that, we've also got our MDMC, which is the multidimensional movement coaching um, channel. And we've got a whole uh, mentorship through that. It could take you three months, could take you six months, but really it's your whole life of learning and transformation. Um, and that's got a more intentional community as well, serving through group classes, one-on-one, semi-privates, and really working with understanding the model of um, how fitness, restoration, and performance blend together, um, especially as somebody who may have been a seasoned athlete before, looking to kind of get back on track with a program that's very versatile. Uh, we, we kind of take you through the whole programming realm of that and uh, line it up in ways that you um, can learn the biomechanics, learn how physics and biology and um, psychology all kind of blend together so that you can better serve your community. So I encourage you to check that out as well, but certainly... Um, an easy route to go check out smooth moves and just start trying to uh, apply the principles and the, the the strategies that grant lays out there is super rad i've incorporated a lot and the music that you've sent me has been awesome because it's like i don't really listen to this stuff and then i listen to it, I'm like i gotta listen to a whole radio on this stuff and then incorporate <laughs> that into my movement and um, a lot of it does look disorganized but in my mind and my my body i feel very connected with certain points and reconnecting new dots so Grant, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, I'm sure we'll dive deeper as Smooth Moves continues to grow and uh, your foot bag ability um, by osmosis. I'm now thinking about ways to integrate it into my practice. So I'm going to probably go pick up a foot bag <laughs> this afternoon well, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I would say go pick one up. Uh, uh, anybody that's out. I, so I ran out of uh, stock. I was selling some some nice. some custom ones. They're they're coming back in stock, so just to let you know. But I would I would pick up a, like a Sandmaster foot bag. Um, those are those are money. I, I think the uh, the crochet ones are like really great. Um, they take a while to break in, and they're they're they can be like pretty sporadic and bounce around a lot of places. Whereas like with the sandbag, um, I think it's a little easier to learn with and. Uh, and then you get to do some more fun stuff with it, which, you know, I think once you get started with the band, I'm excited. So I'll have to get your address and shout <laughs> out to you when, uh, yeah, man, when I get the new ones in stock. So, yeah. I'm going to play with the heck out of that thing, man. Uh, anything else to, to leave our listeners with, Grant? I think we've, we've dove into a lot of cool um, different forests here um, that are going to continue to be discovered. Yeah, man. I mean, there's always there's always more to be said. But <laughs> I think I think we said a lot here. Um, I I hope these are, are uh, you know actionable words that allow you to dive deeper into your practice and and um, you know feel free to reach out. And thanks again, CJ and the Gymnazo crew for having me on. 
Yeah, right on. Thank you, thank you. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, we will be inviting more movement practitioners on in the coming weeks. So stay tuned and feel free to check out ones from previous conversations as well. Uh, lots of cool insights into chi torque and steel mace and energy movement. And uh, gosh, we've had quite a few different individuals on here talking about different methodologies. So we're going to continue this trend and bring on more individuals that are mastering their crafts. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed with the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next-generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So... Share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts. And use the hashtag GymnazoPodcast. That's hashtag GymnazoPodcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out GymnazoEDU.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.